if you have, I guess, like a, a B2B SaaS self-serve quick sales cycle, then that's going to be the, um, the the best one for us. And then, hello, and a big welcome to Hot Sauce, where we'll cover the hottest topics within sauce together with brilliant guests. Are you also curious about fast-grown companies and the people behind them? Welcome aboard. My name is Max Nyman. I'm the CEO of LimeGo, and this is an interactive podcast where you can give suggestions on upcoming guests and topics. You can also jump into discussions with other listeners by leaving comments or upvoting their suggestions. I'm determined to become one of the greatest within B2B sauce, which is why I invite thought leaders and pick their brains about how to scale their companies. However, there are so many fast-growing companies out there and new ones appearing all the time. I only know a fraction, and that's why I want to give you the opportunity to have an impact on the episodes and its content. Hit the link in the episode to interact and affect. Enough already. Let's get to it. All right. Joran, warm welcome. Thank you, Max. Thanks for having me. Yeah, good to have you on board. And uh, let's hear it uh, right off the bat. Uh, what is your role and uh, what does your company do? Yeah, my role is I'm a founder, a founder of Redditis. And Redditis basically helps B2B SaaS companies to set up, manage, and grow an affiliate program. That's the, the really short version. Mm, short and sweet. Nice. And uh, I've been browsing around your web, and as you say, it's affiliate both for like companies, but you can join as a peer or as a person as well. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, yeah. So we're a network. So we basically help SaaS companies to set up an affiliate program. But what that means is they need to have affiliates, right? So that's the other side you're talking about. Yeah. Um, so whenever an affiliate joins uh, the network, basically, they can join multiple programs as well. So they would have access to the marketplace, and the marketplace basically has B two B SaaS companies offering their affiliate program. So they can apply to the program, manage multiple programs, one single dashboard, and then start referring those and start earning commission. So mm. uh, it's a two-sided marketplace indeed. Mm. How, how does it look for you in terms of the split, like focus-wise, engineering-wise? Um... Yeah. yeah, maybe then a little background. I I mean, I worked in a, in, in a SaaS company before, um, called Lead Feeder in Helsinki. Uh, so I, I have the SaaS experience, but during that time as well, I got the affiliate experience. So I always got the question like, hey, this is a great tool. Which tool should you use more? Got so sick of it, build a website, got 25,000 organic visitors per month. And my idea was I'm going to make money out of this site by becoming an affiliate of all these tools I recommended to others. Mm. Um, didn't really work out. So in the end, um, I decided to build my own network as a really long story short. Yeah. Um, so this is why, for example, to answer your question, we don't distinguish, I guess, like SaaS and affiliate side. We try to focus as much as possible on both sides, basically, because if for us, if the affiliate isn't successful, it basically means the SaaS company is not making any money. Uh, the SaaS company, we charge them based on the money they're earning via our platform. So in the end, we're not making any money either. So. Yeah. I mean, we just did a big revamp on the SaaS side. Um, we did prioritize that over the affiliate side. We are going to do the exact same thing on the affiliate side. Um, and we're basically like, yeah, tech-wise, it's not copy-paste, of course, but it is we can use the same dashboard layout. We can use the same uh, filtering, et cetera, uh, on both sides. So we're not prioritizing one over the other. I guess the money comes from the SaaS side. So sales-wise, we are focusing on on that, of course. Yeah. Ah, but really cool, uh, cool background. And obviously, you you saw the pain and uh, took it into your own hands and solved it. Yeah, yeah, it got so frustrated. Uh, I really yeah. tried to make certain things work with the current uh, tools on the market, but I just couldn't. And at one point, I thought, like, okay, I just, I mean, it sounds easy. I just build it, and now we're three years, three years later. So, 
Yeah. Ah, really cool. And uh, as you mentioned, your background, like SaaS and affiliate and everything, uh, how mature would you say that the SaaS landscape is when it comes to affiliate marketing? Affiliate marketing is not that well known yet in B2B SaaS. I mean, everybody, when you think of affiliate marketing, you often think about B2C. I mean, that's where everybody uh, knows it. If you then think about affiliate marketing, you always think about fraud and uh, other things. Like that's the first thing I think people think about when they think about affiliate marketing. So I'm not going to hide that. Um, So there's definitely some education uh, needed. I guess that it's not the case because with affiliate marketing within B2B SaaS, you only pay when somebody delivers you a paid client, a paid subscription, and you can hold the money for the period, for example, where they can ask a refund or they can um, do some things with their credit card. So it's a lot easier to spot fraud. Mm. Um, Yeah, so to answer the question, is not that well known yet, but I think now with more the focus on profitability, uh, your customer acquisition costs, like it will become more important and it is funny that I now see it more and more coming up in different LinkedIn messages where people say like, hey, uh, we're going to investigate or we're going to focus more on uh, profitable revenue channels, which this is one. Definitely. Yeah. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense. It's just the crazy that it hasn't come to B2B like in a larger extent yet, but I guess it's uh, on its way. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, hopefully we do our part with it. Uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's the goal. <laughs> yeah. And uh, on that uh, topic in terms of the um, uh, the revenue, who would you say is owning that? Like at a company, who sets it up? Who makes sure that it works? Is it like a partnership manager or who is it? Yeah, it depends on the maturity of the company. So the more early stage they are, uh, the, le- uh, the more likely uh, a SaaS founder would actually do it themselves. But ideally, I guess if you really want to get the most out of it and you really want to kickstart things you will have somebody dedicated for it so it could either be a growth person yeah. but then a growth person often has like multiple things right so this is probably then one experiment he does if you're a bit further down then you probably have a partner manager an affiliate manager or some kind of title so i guess it all depends on how big the company is and how much focus do you want to put on it so we we started with a lot of founders then they hired for somebody uh to work uh, on this channel and that it, it just evolves over time. Mm. And would you say that it's uh, like, where's your ICP in terms of the companies that you get in? Because I looked at your pricing and you have a like really nice entering product. It's free up until, what is it? Thousand euros MRR? Yeah, no? yeah correct. Yeah? Which is, I mean, that's generous. <laughs> it's yeah. easy to get started. Yeah. Uh, and who's who's your ICP based on that? Yeah, I mean, to be really transparent, like it's really nice, but it's not fully targeting our ICP because mm-hmm. as you mentioned, it's like really attractive, I guess, for the early stage companies where ideally we actually, we want to focus, like I personally want to focus a bit on the, the bigger companies where they have that person where we can take care of the affiliate yeah. uh, channel. So um, talking about our ICP, like ideally you have 50K monthly recurring revenue, you have this growth person or an affiliate market manager who can actually take care of it. You have resources available. You have run paid ads. Like you have to be B2B SaaS. You have to be product that growth with a self-serve channel. So that's the focus we are uh, going for. And we're now starting some campaigns where we're going after. Because when you look at like our marketplace, because you can see who our clients are, you can clearly see that the bit smaller companies right now. I mean, we now started to get some bigger ones in. And that is something uh, because of our freemium model. And we, we, we love those clients, but for our revenue-wise, we need to also focus on the, the more bigger ones who have a bit more time and effort to put into it. 
Yeah. And I mean, it makes a lot of sense to have a freemium offer considering the maturity in the market. You have to like not lure, but yeah. get them in and like try to educate and talk about it. And then they have to experience the smoothness and then it starts kicking basically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I was head of customer success at the, the startup I just talked about. So like the CS yeah. is fully, uh, CS mindset is fully baked in. So if you have the freemium model in our case, we basically in the, somewhat lure you in. We help you to generate revenue. If you had 1K monthly recurring revenue via our platform, then we start charging you. But there's no real reason why you shouldn't pay us, right? If you're already uh, yeah. earning that amount and you have to start paying us $59 a month on an annual basis, like who would say no to that if you probably have earned like 10K total sold? Because uh, 1K MR is probably going to get you to that number somewhat. Um, so that's kind of our idea where we indeed... Uh, lure them in or at least show them our value yeah. and then from there we we grow with them yeah i i even signed up just to try it out and i think uh, it was smooth and like uh, as you say it's it's hard to argue against that fee when it's actually bringing it uh, it's bringing you money so yeah uh but uh, on that topic uh, would you say that there's like a perfect match in terms of which type of sauce products in terms of complexity or type of softwares that's like mm, really good for affiliate yeah, yeah. So to come back, I guess, and then to RSP, like they um, first of all have to be B two B SaaS. That's I guess like the basis, uh, and then yeah. ideally have a self serve model. Yeah. I think the shorter the sales cycle, the better, because in the end, you're gonna ask an affiliate to start recommending you, and like they want to recommend you in exchange for money. So they only get money when you receive a paid client. So the sooner yeah. you can convert a sign up into a paid client, the earner they earn, uh, the quicker they earn money. And probably the more they're going to run for you. So yeah. if you have, I guess, like a, a B2B SaaS self-serve quick sales cycle, then that's going to be the, um, the the best one for us. And then yeah. a company has to have already like run their paid ads, figured out their conversions, because in the end, you're just driving traffic towards your site and that needs to convert. So you need to, company needed to figure things out before they actually started an affiliate program. And uh, would you say that uh, if you are maybe running an enterprise SaaS company and listening to this and thinking, hmm, maybe we can get the revenue stream on the side here, would you say that they should definitely go for it or it's like a more experiment uh, thing on the side? If you're enterprise, I wouldn't recommend affiliate marketing. Like I would probably then go for uh, like a PRM, a partnership relationship management tool where, for example, mm -hmm. if you're enterprise focused, you probably have agencies or like consultants selling you and you might want to do like some some deal uh, sharing or some insights in, in both of the CRM systems, I would go that route because affiliate yeah. marketing is really like clicking a link, signing up. And if you're selling to enterprise, I don't think that's going to happen always or they're not yeah. going to use a coupon code or they're not going to uh, tell that they come from uh, somebody. So, and that's why we fully focus on that, that self-serve model where like with enterprise, it's more complex because um, yeah. we rely on the, the person signing up, uh, the emails, the, the attribute we check, did they actually move to paid or not? In an enterprise, it's going to be uh, you signing up, your uh, CFO maybe yeah. coming in later, and then in the end, the finance manager is actually going to take care of the, uh, the payment. And there's going to be a lot of things happening before actually moving to paid. And does an affiliate want to wait for nine to two? I don't know, uh, 12 months to actually get a payment, that's going to be really hard to keep them motivated. So oh. in that case, I would recommend something else. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, now I'm not like an affiliate expert, so that's why I'm having you here. Uh, but uh, let's say that you have uh, five stakeholders. Can you still track that during the whole like cookie lifetime and, and so on? Or is that an issue? Because multiple stakeholders will make it difficult to track. Yeah. yeah so often you have the champion, right, who signs up. So um, like what we do is um, we give the affiliates a link. They can share it. And then uh, we basically track, did somebody sign up when they click the link? So that's, that's yeah. what we do. So if then they invite multiple users to the account, that doesn't really matter for us. Because we yeah. will check, did that account move the paid or not? And then how much did they start paying, et cetera? So, um, but the most important thing is that somebody has to leave their information slash sign up before they um, before they move to paid. So they need yeah. to create an account first. So that's why like our main focus is on PLG companies because that's what they do, right? They yeah. uh, create the sign up and then from there uh, you can move to paid, invite multiple stakeholders, users, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. So, so PLG SMB. Yeah. A lot of words, but that's the sweet spot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And PLG, I don't know if I mentioned product-led growth. So really making yeah. sure that somebody can just sign up, move to pay themselves without talking to uh, to a person. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we mentioned the, like the relationship or uh, preferably for you at least having a person on the other side, like someone to talk to and, and the nudge, I guess, into the right direction. How important would you say that the... Uh, like communication is or the relationship in affiliate marketing in general or like uh, for you within uh, Redditus? Yeah, communication is, is key. I guess if you don't communicate, people will drop off. Like I think that's uh, like it's the same with your friends, right? If you, if you stop talking to them at one point, they're not your friends anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> unless you keep giving them money. So if they do stuff for you, then they, you, they might still be your friends. But like... Um, like for us, I guess like uh, having that person in place who can activate the affiliates because bringing them in is it's already difficult by itself, bringing in the right affiliates, but actually making sure that they do the things you want them to do, like that's the yeah. next step. So uh, having somebody communicating with them as in like how are things going, but also proactively telling them what is working for others. So if is you it? have been doing a campaign as an affiliate, which has been working really well, why not try to uh, replicate that towards all the other affiliates? So it's almost your job uh, to make the affiliates money. That's kind of how I always see it, as in if you help them to make money, so proactively communicate with them, how can they make money by selling your product? And yeah. you're going to be more successful with the program. So, yeah, I guess to conclude, communication is going to be key uh, <laughs> to make sure you're going to get results out of this. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, of course, it makes sense. And I... <laughs> When you said, of course, you have to communicate with your friends in order to stay friends. That, uh, yeah, it's the same logic, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. And uh, on the uh, like uh, pricing logic and the payouts, uh, can you tell me a bit about the commission? Because we talked about your uh, like entry fee; it's free up yep. until you get onto uh, onto a certain level. Uh, how have you resonated like the free version? I get because the market and so on, but. How does the like commission structure work and how do you incentivize that? Yeah, yeah. So in the commission structure, we're talking for commission for affiliates, right? So um, yeah, 
like how I'd always look at like defining, I guess, the commission for your affiliate program is you can look at it in two ways. You can look at your customer acquisition cost and then if you like your cock as you call it, and then you can look at your lifetime value, uh, LTV. So yeah. if you take the, those together, you have your uh, cock LTV ratio. You can basically look at okay, how much money do we spend to acquire a new client? And then you can see, okay, well, what would that mean if we would give that money in commission towards the affiliate, for example? That number might be a bit too low to really motivate them. So that's why I always recommend looking at it from the other side as well. How much can an affiliate earn when they refer 10 clients to us? Yeah. What we do is um, we ask you to set up a commission percentage and a commission length. So um, what we see is more early stage companies tend to give more commission away because the affiliates have to do more work. Like, yeah. I mean, to give another real life example, same like a restaurant. Would you recommend a restaurant which just opened up and you have no idea how their food is? You have no idea how their service is. Would you start recommending them? <laughs> Probably not. Um, yeah, but if you sense. have that restaurant where you have eaten 10 times, uh, it's always busy, uh, you know uh, everybody's raving about it, then you're probably going to yeah. recommend them. It's the same with SaaS. So the more early stage, uh, the less users, the less best practices, the less case studies they have, and the less brand they have. So it's going to be harder to recommend for an affiliate or to find yeah. affiliates who want to recommend you. So that's why I always look at it from the affiliate perspective as well. And like one thing which you could do is create like multiple tiers. So you can say like everybody starts with 20% for 12 months, for example. Yeah. But if somebody gives me 15 paid clients, they're going to move to 30%. If they're going to yeah. give us X amount of paid clients, they're going to move to 40%. And you can play with that. So you can start low and then have them work uh, themselves into a higher tier, basically. Have you seen a lot of uh, like customers experimenting with that? And like, what would you say is the most common approach and maybe the, the best practice, so to say? Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, clients do experiment that uh, with it a lot. Like we have, for example, private tiers. So you see, for example, these special deals being created and then they put in a certain bucket and they would compare against each other, like what is working. Um, like best practice wise, as in, in my opinion, the, the percentage doesn't say anything until you actually know the begin value. So always, I guess, figure out like what is your average revenue per account and then yeah. try to figure out like um, what do we want to give away. So make sure that everybody knows all the numbers and not just the percentage because in the, in the end, that doesn't say anything if you don't know what you're actually calculating it from. So yeah. um, like there's no one size fits all. Look at the maturity of your business. Look at the average revenue per account and then uh, look at like how much somebody can earn and then test it, like invite uh, affiliates to your program, see if they're willing to join. If not, why not? Are they not doing affiliate marketing or is your offer not good enough? Yeah, sounds like a reasonable process. Yeah, and like uh, I, I guess the only thing I wanted to say is in, like as an affiliate myself, I always loved lifetime deals or lifetime commission. I mean, we, at the beginning, we didn't even build it in our own system because I thought like who would give it away? Because as a SaaS company, you always care about your customer acquisition cost, right? If you have a lifetime commission, it just keeps on increasing. But in the end, I mean, we built a feature because a lot of SaaS companies actually do want to give it away. Um, And again, more early stage companies who really want to uh, get their growth going. And uh, some affiliates only join programs which are lifetime commissions. That's interesting. Would you say that that's uh, something that's going to stay or is it more like in the early stage and then you do it and then it's like, let's kill it off and move on to the 
the like limited offers instead. Yeah, I mean, you, like a, a good example of this who did exactly this is Semrush. Like they first yeah. had 40% lifetime. Uh, I think they killed it maybe one and a half years ago already or something like that. I'm still in oh. the old program. Uh, but now they limited like to something else. So they did give lifetime, but they now got such a huge brand that they don't really need it anymore. It was really yeah. hard also like to really have people click on your link because they're so well known, right? So there's links everywhere for some restaurant, many paid ads themselves. So I do think like at one point you will switch it, but yeah, it's the same as I guess like um, with your SaaS pricing, often you create like these legacy tiers, you will keep yeah. your early affiliates in there and then you will, for the new ones, you're going to create something something new. Yeah. And I guess it's like a go-to-market strategy similar to having a free version. It's to create like awareness and buzz and then yeah. eventually you don't really need the free, but it's like something on the side bringing it in. Yeah. 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 Because like, yeah, um, it is going to be nice because like what affiliate marketing does, right? It helps you to create that buzz, as you mentioned. So you're going to get those backlinks. You're going to be maybe mentioned in articles where you probably wouldn't have been mentioned before anyway. So uh, I would yeah, see like how can you create that first buzz indeed with a good offer and maybe even create like a private tier where you exclusively invite affiliates who uh, who you think are fit for it and then um, for the other ones, create maybe a, a smaller tier. Yeah. All right, let's uh, move into a segment called Quick Ones. I'm going to shoot some uh, quick questions and want quick answers. Okay, <laughs> that sounds good. All right, let's do it. So, favorite tool in your revenue tech stack, and you can't say your own. Favorite tool, uh, I mean, tech stack, uh, revenue, right? Then HubSpot. Yeah, like, uh, HubSpot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. And uh, if you were to give one advice for younger people starting out in SaaS, what would that be? Keep going, I guess. Like, I mean, <laughs> depends on, like, if you want to, uh, well, maybe, I guess, like, um, get experience first before building your own SaaS. I think that's maybe even a better one if you're really starting out. So like building a SaaS is hard. Uh, it takes yes. a lot of time, takes a lot of dedication and you're going to run into a lot of things you don't know. So why not learn the things you don't know yet uh, with a paid salary at a different company first before you have to figure everything out on your own money. Mm. And uh, what's the best way to pitch you? Wow. And I need to give a quick answer. B two B SaaS. Like which channel? How? Like oh, tonality. pitch me. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Um, LinkedIn. Like I'm, I'm always there. But um, like if the message looks too generic, then um, I won't open it. Like uh, I don't want to sound, I guess, like uh, I say it's rude. But I have three three hundred open uh, LinkedIn requests. Like if there's no message and I don't know you, then uh, I won't open it. So be authentic, uh, and then most likely you will get an answer. Yeah. All right. And uh, how many steps are in your sales process? Six. Yeah. You think it's good, or do you want to increase, decrease? Um, I, I think it's good. Like, I mean, we want to stay product that growth, but maybe we'll we will switch it because we're going to do some cold outreach soon towards our ICP. So yep. we might need more. I think that's um, we have more marketing touches than sales touches because we run yep. our own podcast. We're so we're so visible right now that uh, that helps us a lot in like, keeping the sales touches low. Mm. Mm. 
And now you mentioned something, and I want to do uh, three quick ones on that as well. Yeah, sure. uh, you have your own podcast, which is uh, great. I've listened to it, and uh, uh, you're on the third season right now, uh, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if you were to give uh, one advice for podcasters starting out, what would that be? Leverage the network of the guest. Yeah. So, like, uh, funny thing, like, I have now this rule internally. It's a vanity metric, but I kind of say, like, I do not have guests which have lower than 15,000 followers on LinkedIn. Yeah. So, if you don't have that, then most likely you, you wouldn't be on the podcast. Because my idea yeah. is that if I have that person share anything regarding the podcast towards their network, then it's going to grow the podcast and I can get bigger guests in. And that's, uh, what I've been doing so far, and it's been working, yeah, really well so yeah. far. Makes sense. So ideal guest profile, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 like uh, step it up every time. Like uh, I started off with people I know, which are well known, and then I pitch other people. Like, hey, I already had this, 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 this guest on. Would you come on? And then, uh, yeah. yeah, now it's really nice. Like I had, for example, Sean Ellis from the Growth Brook, uh, from the book Growth Hacking. We had Wes Bush. Yeah. We like, which I think you're gonna get on as well. Guillermo Becci. So. There's some big names in there, which I think is hard to pitch. But if you have a good story with those guests yeah. you just pulled in, then you can just uh, go on and on and on. Yeah, I agree. Good. And uh, one thing that podcasting have uh, has learned, or one thing that you've learned from uh, podcasting? That, yeah, it's not one thing. But if I have to summarize it in one thing, like it's good learning for myself. I guess like... Uh, not even a, a good win i guess but i started podcasting because i wanted to learn things myself so i'm basically asking like the questions i wanted to know anyway yeah. so uh, i've Same learned here. so so much from from doing the podcast and i decided to make them like public so i guess what i learned there's no stupid questions i'm asking yeah. them uh, for the for the listeners in 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 my case so uh, people can really like uh hopefully become like uh, educated on the topic we talk about without us putting the, the uh, all the words in there, like the fancy words in there before we even explain what they are. Mm. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, we talked a bit about it, uh, but like reaching out to people asking if they want to talk about themselves, it's quite easy to book a meeting and uh, yeah. <laughs> you can ask a lot of questions, learn a lot. And uh, like for you, I also can imagine that you get a foot in into the sales process in in many cases. Yeah, like, uh, I mean, this is why, for example, I indeed do like these guest, guest book, uh, podcasts as well, where I can tap into your network, right? So it's really nice to get in um, into other networks as well, where you want to do the exactly the same thing with the, with the guests. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, let's, uh, let's pause on the podcasting, but a couple more quick ones uh, for you. Uh, favorite, uh, if you were to choose a three dinner course, what would that be? Wow. Um, that's a really good question. Three dinner course. I would probably start with Capaccio. Then uh, um, I'm becoming more and more vegetarian, not fully, but I'm eating less meat over here. So I'll probably have, I don't know. And I like Italian food. So probably uh, pasta or something as the main. And then I love chocolate. So uh, something with chocolate, like uh, this, this melty chocolate in, in a dessert is is always yeah. always good. So a bit of an Italian theme, basically. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, I love warm weather as well. So uh. yeah, shocker, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nice. And last uh, quick uh, question: um, one thing that you use ChatGPT for? 
for even my podcast, I guess, but also for emails for basically becoming creative. I think that's where I use it most for. If I don't have like a... I have long working days. My brain sometimes gets tired. So if I don't know how to do, like uh, how to phrase certain things, or if I just want to be lazy, then I put it in ChatGPT and then I'll uh, uh, ask it from there. And I guess a quick tip here, like how I do it is you have all these conversations, right? You can name the conversations if you go to the left side. So you can basically train a conversation on the topic um, you want to have it been trained on. So yeah. I would have one on like the podcast. So I had a big prompt uh, at the beginning where I basically like had it scraped the site, which the interviews I already did. And then uh, if I have a podcast related question, I would go into that conversation and ask that question there instead of opening oh, up a nice. new conversation that you have to start everything again. So um, quick answer to become creative because yeah. uh, that's that's my uh, my struggle always. Yeah, I think that's good to have like a prompt library on the left and then you can just go into the old conversations and shoot uh, more and more. Yeah, it saves a lot of time. Nice. All right, let's leave the quick ones. Uh, you did uh, great, so you can uh, relax and breathe out. <laughs> Thanks. And uh, you talked a bit about it earlier, uh, fraud. And one thing that I can imagine is like uh, some sketchy business with affiliates and the links uh, trying to like, utilize your own revenue stream in, in some sort of weird way. Uh, have you seen that a lot? How do you prevent it? Or, or yeah, can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. I mean, the biggest two things which can happen is that an affiliate can start running paid ads with an affiliate link. So, mm. for example, they could run paid ads on the brand name. So our brand is Redditus. So if people search for Redditus, they could basically hijack our traffic by right. running an ad on the brand name Redditus. Ah, sneaky. That's sneaky, but it's it's yeah. like the, the fun part is it's easy to spot because uh, if the tra traffic is coming from Google, uh, then it basically indicates that they're running paid ads because otherwise there's no uh, reason why the traffic can come from Google. So yeah. we show, for example, the source of the traffic um, within the app. So they know if they see Google, then they know that they're running paid ads. Yeah. Um, like a lot of SaaS companies, for example, do allow, uh, don't allow his, his brand name, but some do allow uh, you to run paid ads and then it becomes a bit more trickier to identify where they're actually running the paid ads on. Yeah. Uh, the other one, I think it is becoming more common now in, or not common, but like it's been a big issue uh, in B2C coupon sites. I think everybody mm -hmm. talks about it always. So <clears throat> if you would search for a Redditus discount code, uh, ideally, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't go towards like a site which is like a coupon site, and they would basically direct the traffic back to Redditus. You would not get a coupon site, uh, you, yeah. a real coupon, but you did click that link, so they're actually now getting um, attributed for a sale where they didn't do anything. They're just oh. stealing it in a way. Yeah. Um, and the other ones, I guess, which aren't like happening that much, is for example, refund, uh, refunds or credit card fraud. So um, they could basically purchase an annual subscription, get the commission, and then try to ask for a refund for the actual purchase. So they still have the commission um, and they sure. want their money back from the subscription as well, which is easy to prevent as well if you just keep the money long enough that they can't uh, do a refund anymore. Mm. Wow, so a lot of edge cases. Would you say that the first two are kind of common or like never? Have you shut down any clients because of it? Like yeah, I mean, the first one is, is really common. Like there's affiliates out there who really know how to run paid ads and they're willing to yeah. spend that money uh, to actually earn that commission, which yeah. is uh, interesting, right? Because they 
they run paid ads. So they have to invest the money first before actually getting the commission. Um, it's one of the, the biggest reasons why uh, referrals get rejected in our system right now, because we yeah. show the SaaS company where's the traffic coming from. We have a big reject button next to it. We ask them, like, why are you rejecting it? And paid ads is the most common one because affiliates do, uh, will try it basically. So yeah. it, it happens, but we do have a client who allows it. And it's, I always find it really interesting that they allow everything. So uh, no matter what the affiliate does, they're, they're good with it. And their philosophy is that uh, we don't want to hire a digital marketer. We don't want to uh, run paid ads ourselves. And with mm-hmm. affiliate marketing, like our costs are really predictable because we know that we're going to give away 20% for 12 months and we're not paying anything uh, until we actually receive that paid client. So, okay. yeah, I thought I was in, like, I could not oh, have thought about take. that before uh, yeah. seeing that client. So I, I still learn every day. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And uh, would you say that that's uh, going to increase or decrease, like uh, talking about the maybe future of affiliate marketing for B2B and B2B SaaS? What, what are your trends um, looking in the, in the future? Yeah, I think, first of all, it's going to be more well-known uh, because of the focus SaaS companies will have more focus on profitability, more focus on like a stable growth. Um, and I think more companies will see that is it is a really good channel to focus on like it will take a bit of time to actually uh, get it started but it's like seo you need to spend time on it and over time it will compound so um like with i guess the increased awareness of affiliate marketing like the fraud will probably have some um involvements as well so we might see something from b2c uh coming over to to b2b um and i think the biggest thing um where what we're, for example, focusing on is getting first-party data from affiliates. Because if you go to B2C, you have all these influencer platforms, right? Where you can find the right influencer who can yeah. uh, target uh, a certain audience with your product, for example. And there's nothing really out there for B2B yet. And that's kind of what we're trying to build now, where if you want to market uh, your SaaS in a certain industry, uh, in a certain uh, on a certain platform and in a certain country, for example, you would basically go in, you add those search of filters and then find um, the influencers, publishers, bloggers, basically anybody who has access to your ICP in the uh, region you're looking for. So that's going to evolve a lot, I think. Yeah. Um, getting like the, the right audience and not as many affiliates as possible, but getting the right affiliates. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's going to like grow the... Uh, there's a lot of talk about the personal branding more rather than like the company side of it and on LinkedIn and people starting the yeah podcasts and everything. And I think more and more people will be the ambassadors of products rather than companies maybe themselves because the companies will always promote certain things. Uh, so I think uh, a lot of people will, will probably use affiliate uh, as a like side revenue income stream, like ambassador basically. Yeah, yeah, because... Like, uh, I mean, I always say B2B, but in the end, within the companies, people people work there, right? And they use uh, a lot of tools as well. Like, I would recommend some of the tools we're using internally, like, without a heartbeat to somebody else. So why not yeah. earn uh, money over it by actually referring uh, a different SaaS company? So I think definitely anybody who has a network uh, a SaaS company is looking for, that's going to be interesting for uh, for affiliate marketing, right? Think about all the Substack newsletters which are coming out, or think about yeah. all the LinkedIn influencers which are growing. Think about like anybody who has a 
somewhat of a network. It doesn't have to be big, right? You can have a thousand subscribers, but if they're really engaged and they really like what you're doing, then most likely if you recommend them a certain tool, they'll probably will at least check it out. They might even sign up and they might even purchase it based on your recommendation because you mm. made a video, for example, how to actually use it and how it uh, helped your life. So it doesn't have to be big. Like you can have these micro influencers with, for example, really targeted audience. Like, um, yeah, I guess we have an, an affiliate, for example, who has an email newsletter towards like 100,000 product managers. Like that's huge. Mm -hmm. But you can also have a thousand, which might be a lot more engaged. So yeah, definitely. It doesn't have to be big anymore. No, I agree. And I think uh, engagement definitely triumphs uh, quantity at the end of the day. And yeah. uh, like depending on the average deal size and the commission and the length, you can get a quite good uh, like uh, split from it. So uh, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, definitely something and to have in mind. And that's why we purely focus on B2B SaaS. So it's high ticket yeah. prices and recurring commission. So you don't indeed need to have a lot of purchases to actually make a good good money out of it. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, wrapping up a bit, uh, one thing that you were to give um, people starting out, uh, like let's say we, we circle back 10 years, one thing that you wish that you would have known 10 years ago. I mean, it's it's... Like starting a SaaS company is harder than uh, than it looks. Like uh, that, that's definitely one thing. But um, like what I would have known, I guess. Like um, I mean, I think I first of all would have known, would have liked to known about SaaS, like the scalability part. Um, so if I would recommend, I guess, like find things which really scale. So for example, I've been personally like growing my LinkedIn profile, or for example, with the podcast, or with other things like. If you do things for the long term and then for, I guess, like creating an audience, like at one point you will be able to monetize it or you will be able to make your living out of it or you will be able to leverage it in, in anything you want to do going forward. So I guess like find uh, your target audience, like what you're interested about. So mine is, for example, B2B SaaS. So that's why I created a company. I created a podcast. We're creating like this LinkedIn profile, which purely focused on a certain target audience. So Okay. If you know what you like, find your target audience, start building it, like start small. But the biggest thing is keep consistency. Like if you stop at one point, then which most people do, right? Yeah. Then it doesn't go anywhere. Like uh, I've been growing my LinkedIn profile now, I think like heavily for the last five years. And I'm finally now getting to a point where I could almost become on my own podcast because I now have 12,500 followers. So I'm not even myself at 15,000. Yeah. Um, but keep consistency and you will get there. Mm. And I think that's a major takeaway from the most people that I've talked to in terms of LinkedIn. It's like when you've gotten up to speed, why didn't I start earlier? Yeah. Because then you see the traction. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing Like people always think like, oh, I should have started earlier with certain things. And uh, at the beginning, you, you think you don't have the knowledge, but it doesn't always have to be like, you can share your experience, right? Like yeah. I think uh, people always want to learn or see authentic stories so if you just started out or anything like that, there's always something you can share about your journey, uh, which other people are want to follow. So um, yeah, keep that in mind. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Good advice. And uh, last but not least, uh, any names for people to invite for me to the podcast? Do you have any suggestions? Um, yeah, I would even, even look at, I guess, like who I got on the on the podcast, but... Like, rem remind me, like, um, 
who are the um, have you have an idea of like the real target audience of the podcast like of the yeah. listeners it's basically b2b sauce so yeah. uh yeah then just give me your guest list no i'm just <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> uh, i mean i'm happy to make introductions like i think that's uh that's no problem but um i would get for example i guess like uh i mean if you want to leverage somebody else's network kevin dorsey i had him on like he's really heavy in sales i think he has 115,000 followers on on linkedin so wow. um, mm -hmm. then I had, for example, Andrew Gazdecki from Acquire.com, a bit less heavy on LinkedIn, but he's heavy on Twitter, 200,000 hey. followers. So, and this is an example where I'm still pushing him to post something on his presence on the podcast. So what you will learn is like the bigger the guests become and the less likely they are, they're going to share something about your presence, even though they might say they do or uh, oh, right. yeah, things yeah. like that. Mm -hmm. So you will run into those kind of things where, yeah, but I guess uh, look at the guest yeah. list and uh... yeah, I'll I'll browse through the the guest list and I'll target uh, Kevin and Andrew and uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, and I'm like uh, I almost force everybody to connect with me on LinkedIn, right? If uh, if so, that I would recommend as well. Happy to give you some intros. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to it. Cool. And I'm going to summarize a bit with the three of my main takeaways. And one thing is definitely like if you are a product-led growth uh, company with a kind of short sales cycle, uh, start an affiliate today because like that's going to be one of the, the income streams that you want to, to have. And uh, one thing is also for founders, perhaps listening, to set it up because it's free and you won't pay until you get the, <laughs> up to a certain level. Uh, and I think that goes uh, goes into the third takeaway as well, which is to start small and then like try to find the, the niche and the engagement. That's the most important thing. And then you can build on the quantity. Exactly. Step by step. Yeah. Yeah. Really awesome uh, advice. And thanks for uh, teaching me and the listeners about affiliate marketing within B2B, which I think is going to grow a hell of a lot going forward. I, I think so as well. Maybe we have to do it in a year again and then we'll, we can see where we are at at that point. Definitely, definitely. Uh, Joran, thanks a lot for joining. And uh, I mean, uh, let's hope that you break all the numbers in 2024 with uh, Redditors. We're planning to. Thanks, Max. Yeah, take care. Bye. Hi. Now you got me hitting the phones. I'm in sales. I love hitting the phones. Gotta hit the phone. One call closed. All right. Shifting the focus to you that's been listening. Just want to remind you that this is an interactive podcast. So hit the link in the episode description. There, you can join the discussion with other listeners and comment on episodes. You can also submit ideas for upcoming guests, topics, or simply upvote what other people have already suggested. Also, if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it to someone that might be curious, friends, coworker, or that random person in your LinkedIn feed. Last but not least, leave a rating if you enjoyed it. While we're at it, add me on LinkedIn to see short video clips from the podcast. And Gotta hit the phone. Gotta hit the phone.